0: Welcome to the Mental Health in Schools podcast, designed and delivered by Anna Bateman.
1: Hello, and welcome to Halcyon Education's podcasts. This is episode four. Today's podcast is about the Ofsted Framework and the links to mental health in schools. If you are finding these podcasts helpful, please do recommend or share with others. Since September 2019, we've had a new Ofsted Framework and Handbook. Today's podcast is not going to take the form of an interview, but I'm going to be taking you through the new inspection process and provide you with knowledge and understanding of this process and which aspects relate to mental health and what Ofsted's requirements and expectations are. I'll be using a two-page handout which is available on my website to guide us through the podcast. If you haven't done so already, go to www and Look under episode 4, resources.
0: First, a quick word from our sponsors. At Jigsaw PSHE, we believe that personal development and strategies to build mental well-being need to be taught and not left to chance. Jigsaw, the mindful approach to PSHE, leads the way in providing children and young people with its acclaimed, well-structured and developmental lesson-a-week learning experience in PSHE from ages 3 to 16. Detailed lesson plans and all the teaching resources needed, along with free updates and ongoing support, make Jigsaw an invaluable, relevant and fresh resource, taking the worry out of PSHE planning. Written by teachers for teachers, and mindfulness philosophy and practice underpins the whole programme. Statutory government requirements for relationships, health and sex education are amply covered. For more information, go to www.jigsawpshe.com or call at jigsawhq. Now to the podcast.
1: So hopefully by now you've got the two-page document in front of you. The guide that I've produced is based on my opinion and interpretation of the new handbook, having analysed reports since the new inspection framework from September, and I've spoken to several senior leaders who have experienced the new inspection framework. This Ofsted process, we would say, is probably the most researched and inspectors have had the most training than any other Ofsted inspection before. There are four judgment areas within the new framework the quality of education, behaviour and attitudes, personal development and leadership and management and we know that safeguarding threads through all of those. So what's at the heart of this inspection from a mental health perspective? It's actually about what it's like to be a student in this school and the framework is about, built around factors that have the greatest protective effect for all children So it has a very strong systemic resilience based design to the inspection. And I'm going to talk you through those now. The first one is a phrase that has come up in this um, inspection framework and never been seen before is the idea of cultural capital and social capital. They're real key themes. This ensures that schools are providing the very best opportunities and outcomes for disadvantaged students. If we take a look at the handbook, section 178, as part of making the judgment about the quality of education, inspectors will consider the extent to which schools are equipping pupils with the knowledge and cultural capital they need to succeed in life. Our understanding of knowledge and cultural capital is derived from the following wording in the National Curriculum. To quote, it is the essential knowledge that pupils need to be educated citizens, introducing them to the best that has been thought and said and helping to engender an appreciation of human creativity and achievement. In terms of cultural capital within your school we know that the inspectors will be asking about how you are promoting and targeting opportunities for clubs and extracurricular and other community participation that students may have within your school. What's really important as well is that the inspectors will be looking for whether those who attend those clubs and extracurricular activities are reflective of your current cohort of students. So for example, if you have 30% pupil premium in your school, is this reflected in those opportunities in which the children attend? So are there of pupil premium students attending extracurricular opportunities so it's important that we are tracking and ensuring and encouraging students who perhaps wouldn't normally attend these activities that we are ensuring they are attending and tracking those opportunities so that we know who is going and is that reflective of our school. Number two, um, the quality of education judgment, which ensures the inspection is not just about a discussion about data, which it used to be, but actually a triangulation of data, curriculum, teaching, assessment and outcomes, all being important. I believe this shifts the focus away from it being numbers on a sheet, and we can hide a lot behind those numbers. But actually, we're looking then at the relationships within lessons, the dynamics of pedagogy and teaching. And then what's really important is the high student engagement. This is featured in a lot of the inspectors' questioning and observations around school and in lessons. What's really interesting about this new inspection is that once the first hour and a half conversation has been had on the phone between the lead inspector and SLT... The inspectors will then be having most of their conversations with teachers, um, leaders, parents and students around school. So really the the voice and the opportunity for um, people to influence the inspection is a lot higher than it has been previously. There is a strong focus on the broad and balanced curriculum offer, which will ensure that those creative subjects will once again have focus. We know that that's really important for some students who may not always achieve within the academic subjects that we might think about in terms of English and maths, but that every subject area will have a deep dive. There is no difference in scrutiny or weighting between PSHE, maths, history or RE, for example. Every subject will have the same level of scrutiny in the same way and to the same depth. I know some schools who have shelved putting PSHE as part of their deep dive, but it's important that they include that. That will have the same weighting as any other subject. This is really important. From a protective factor in terms of resilience and building well-being, we know PSHE has a strong significance in helping students understand how to keep mentally healthy, how to understand their emotions, how to keep themselves safe, so the fact that PSHE has as much importance as maths um, or history for example is really good to see If you have your hand out in front of you we're now looking at number four the narrowing of the curriculum in key stage two and key stage three. This has happened over the years. And the broadening of the curriculum offer is particularly helpful for those students who gain success from the more creative side of the curriculum. The excessive teaching of literacy and numeracy that has happened in some schools in year six because of SATs has come at the cost of other subjects. For our secondary colleagues, we also know that um, we are expected to broaden the key stage three offer for year seven, eight and nine Every inspection report that I looked at, there is an expectation from Ofsted that schools will need to be offering key stage three at years seven, eight and nine, and not nine, 10 and 11 that is currently happening in some of our schools. It looks like there is a year's grace, as we know, there is about a year to be amending our curriculum offer um, in terms of the inspections, but it is clear that once that year is over, all of our secondary schools need to ensure that Key Stage 3 is within Year 7, 8 and 9. We cannot underestimate the importance here on Number 5 of Staff CPD and Subject Knowledge. This has a really high importance in the new inspection framework. This is significant, as I said earlier, for all subject areas. This includes PSHE. So, Subject leaders, regardless of experience, are expected to have participated in high quality continuing professional development and training relevant to the subject and also all teaching staff who are teaching the subject to have up to date, appropriate subject knowledge in order to teach that subject. This is particularly tricky for our primary colleagues as we know sometimes we have teachers who are post NQT or NQT plus one leading history, for example. When it comes to the inspection, there is no difference in experience. Um, It is that every subject lead is expected to have a good level of understanding of their subject. An example of this is where schools have appointed a curriculum lead within SLT, which is absolutely fine. But just bear in mind within the inspection, it is unlikely that they will be interviewed. The interviews will be conducted with the subject leaders within the school. The previous judgment of personal development and behaviour and welfare is now split into two separate judgments. Within personal development, schools will be judged on the curriculum and the wider opportunities which are provided and how those two link. And then particularly for students who are disadvantaged or who have special educational needs or access pupil premium funding. So let me just give you an example of one school who um, gained an outstanding within personal development. This was a secondary and they had a whole range of opportunities for older pupils who were trained to support younger pupils with anxiety and stress. The school was brilliant at raising money for different charities. They had a range of topics around keeping themselves safe. They had strong links with an older person's home and they would invite them in or, or visit the home and provide um, opportunities for community development. There was a lot of work going around LGBT. And the inspectors felt that this helped to foster a tolerant culture. This is something that is also thread throughout the new inspection and felt, therefore, that there was little bullying and name calling because of that tolerant culture within school. Within the personal development strand, pupils will be asked directly about the opportunities that they are provided in terms of that wider school offer. Students will be asked about how they learn about keeping themselves mentally healthy. Also within the strand of personal development and behaviour and attitudes, Um, I've seen Ofsted reports that mentioned um, isolation rooms and particularly if there is a high level of students who are isolated for long periods of time or who are regularly in there. So is this something where you have a group of students who are regularly accessing isolation? This is also part of this strand. In this strand as well is about the offer around thinking ahead. So using Gatsby benchmarks, for example, for our secondary students in preparing students for you know, life after school and work opportunities. I'm going to link here point seven on the handout as well, that high quality pastoral care is an important aspect of this provision of school. So being able to have really good record keeping, show that there's there's that relentlessness of support that's been put in place um, and how that impacts on learning, how that impacts on the student's personal development, and also the way that the school manages bullying. I also want to mention here something that I've put in point eight, as I said, that those strong references to tolerance and respect and how the school is doing that. But also there's a key feature in this new um, inspection framework around parental engagement. This is a real key feature and something that inspectors will be asking about is how the school engages parents, parents, And also particularly the hard to reach parents. We know this is a massive challenge for all our schools is reaching those parents that don't attend. But one school, for example, um, they decided to have a different parents evening for students who have a special educational need, and they found that those parents who didn't always attend now attended more regularly because there was a specific evening for them to attend. It was quieter and there were more opportunities for one-to-one conversations. So it's just really sharing with inspectors opportunities that you have provided around parental engagement. And if you're not doing so at the moment, what the plans are in the future I think what's really important to note here as well, as we know, safeguarding is thread all the way through in terms of from, you know, your single central record all the way through to how we support students uh, when there's been a disclosure, a training for staff. But also inspectors will be asking students directly whether they feel safe but whether they feel secure Um, and I know that some inspectors have asked about the opportunities for, for safe space in school where students can go if they feel overwhelmed or perhaps if there is someone that they feel secure with. As we know what's different also in this inspection is staff well-being. This is a key feature of the leadership and management judgment. We know that Staff are asked directly about how SLT have helped with workloads. The removal of excessive and necessarily internal data, for example, is one of the areas that inspectors will be looking at. But I know that inspectors will also be asking staff directly what leaders have done um, to ensure that workload has been reduced It's a shame, really, the opportunities missed, I feel, at some point to uh, not be asking about the retention and turnover of staff over time. I think this is a really important opportunity that has been missed by Ofsted that really gives us an indicator, particularly over time. We know we sometimes have blip years or a leader moves on and changes and staff leave too, but over time, it was really important to look at retention and turnover of staff as part of staff well-being, I really think this is an opportunity that's been missed.
0: And now a short break to hear from our sponsors. CPOMS is an online system for schools to manage pastoral concerns and events and is now used by over 10,000 schools. The main reason it works so well is that the categories of information a school logs on CPOMS are chosen by the school, so that the concerns you face that are unique to your community or individuals can be logged accordingly. It saves a huge amount of time compared to doing things on paper. Chronologies for pupils, or school-wide reports, can be generated quickly. The ServicePoint support team provide an incredible standard of service, and one of the main reasons that CPOMs are spread by word of mouth to so many schools. For more information, go to www.cpoms.co.uk, where you can also book a demo for your school. Now back to the podcast.
1: So those are the 10 steps that I've put on um, that handout for you uh, relating to the link from mental health to the new Ofsted framework. So if we have a look at the next steps here on, on your handout, is about reviewing your curriculum provision, which I know every single school that I'm visiting at the moment is doing that, but ensuring that the intent and the implementation of your curriculum, but that also includes PSHE. And this is something that schools are missing at the moment. They're doing their deep dives in every other curriculum area apart from PSHE, but I can say that that will also be part of the deep dives. And ensuring that your intent and implementation of your curriculum is shared throughout all those who teach it. And almost there's something around um, coaching uh, and providing the sort of the language and the context around, for example, PSHE, that every single teacher who teaches it within your school understands what the vision is and that intent and also how it is implemented. If you are using an off-the-shelf PSHE curriculum, and as you know, um, we have Jigsaw who sponsor ours. So if you're using Jigsaw, for example, um, it must be amended to the context of your school and community. I know one school that's been inspected and they have used Jigsaw. And as long as the um, curriculum is amended for your context and your community, um, then that's okay too. Ensuring you've got assessments in place like you would for any other subject area and ensuring that there are opportunities for students to revisit and revise the content, threading that throughout the whole year. So things like quizzes to revisit, past content, retention of information is really, really important within this framework. We actually know that's just really important as part of teaching and ensuring the knowledge and understanding is there. Find ways in which you can thread opportunities to revisit information throughout the year within PSHE in this example. But that relates to every single subject as well. If you review the breadth of your curriculum offer, so this is the next step, both in Key Stage 2 and Key Stage 3. Again, there there are no excuses as to why we are not covering the whole of the curriculum as far as the inspectors are concerned. So this needs to be from subjects such as music, RE, PSHE. Um, and particularly we know there is a massive reading focus that that is something that will be a big focus of the inspectors so ensure that you if you are doing uh, in key stage three if you are doing um, the coverage just within two years you will need to have a very very strong curriculum based argument for keeping it just within year seven and eight Um, all the um reports that i've looked at uh, the inspectors are expecting after this year's grace that you will have a plan to move to a year seven to nine key stage three coverage take a look at your pastoral provision ensure it's effective and coordinated with support and interventions well documented so where you have put support in place how do you know the support is working and are you connecting the support that you're putting in place with attainment and progress as well. I tend to find schools are working in a little bit of a silo in this um, aspect. So your pastoral support is sometimes amazing and effective, but actually not connected to attainment and progress. One school I've worked with, we've actually started to get to a point where we're doing not just pupil progress meetings, but actually we're looking at um, pastoral progress meetings, as it were. So looking at um, those students who are struggling pastorally, sharing that with the, the class teacher or the form tutor. Um, and the subject teachers and actually looking at how we might move those students on from a pastoral point of view. So there's a big link there with attainment and pastoral support and the teachers who are around that student. Providing up to date CPD for staff on all curriculum subject areas is a really, really key feature. This is important for PSHE too. It doesn't always have to be inset, so again, make sure your staff understand what CPD is. It isn't always just inset or going off on a training session for the day. This could be an online course, this could be observing the curriculum leads in other lessons, this could be visiting another school, this could be sitting in a lesson when um, a teacher is teaching your students and you are learning from them. There's lots of ways in which you can show CPD, but staff will be asked directly what they have ...have been given around staff CPD. So it's important that all staff understand what they have received... and and that it is um, CPD that they've had, and ensuring that that subject knowledge of staff is really, really strong. And particularly when we're thinking about links, the Anna Freud's 10 steps document, um, but consider addressing the biggest issue, um, something the inspectors will be asking staff about is how SLT have reduced workload. And particularly, we know the biggest aspects and my experience of working in schools is around marking and planning and assessment Um, And making sure that the school has done all it can to reduce those as best as you can within the context, obviously, that you're in. There is a toolkit that the DFE have put together. There is a questionnaire in there um, that you may want to send around to staff around workload. Um, I know that schools have used that and that's been really effective. But you need to be showing how you have helped staff in terms of reducing workload. So finally, to to quote one of the SLT members that I spoke to following an inspection they had, this is an inspection like no other. As I said to you earlier, that first hour and a half with SLT on on the phone call really does set the direction, ensuring that your website is up to date. And whatever is on your website is reflective of what is going on in school. That's, I guess, not really new, uh, but it is really important. So if something is not matching, particularly curriculum wise, what's on your website, the inspectors will pick up on it and ask you about that discrepancy. And they may end up digging a little bit deeper around that. But SLT really are not then involved in any feature of the inspection following that conversation unless of course they're leading a curriculum area. Most SLT members that I've spoken to following an inspection have found that they then go out, they're speaking to parents, they're speaking to students, they're speaking to staff and they're speaking to subject leads and that's how they're gaining their judgments. What's important is that consistency being key. So, ensuring that the common language and the common vision that is shared by SLT, and particularly in relation here, I'm talking about personal development and PSHE and your pastoral support, and ensuring that there is a thread and consistency and language and approach going all the way from SLT through teaching staff, through pastoral, all the way through to students and parents, and that thread of language and common approach is there that is really really crucial. I think it's fair to say this is a really really challenging inspection. It feels a little bit like the goalposts have moved again. In order to be outstanding then the word that needs to come through from any area that you're being inspected on is exceptional. So without any exception Everything within that handbook judgment on outstanding and good has to be exceptional for the judgment of outstanding to be given. And that is very, very difficult to attain. So that concludes the podcast on mental health and the links to the new OFSTED framework from September 2019. Our next podcast will be Dr. Carl Harris, who's a consultant clinical psychologist. He's providing extremely insightful podcasts, and we have an interview on managing exam stress and anxiety. If you do need guidance on any aspects of this or your strategic planning around mental health and really looking at that prevention, you can go onto my website. There is a free downloadable document called the 10 Steps to a Mentally Healthy School. And it also has a tracker as well, which you can download to see where the gaps are within your school, see what you're really good at and see perhaps where the gaps are in relation to to mental health. I also have some online courses available around data, around curriculum and also around the audit process so that if you want to dig a little bit deeper um, and, and get student voice in there. Um, there are ways of being able to do that. I've also written a new course around setting up a well-being team. This is particularly for secondary, where students are part of that well-being support offer as, as some of the inspection uh, reports have mentioned, and also I will be adding one in on how to train your students to support younger students with anxiety. So that's something that I've done regularly in schools and we'll be providing an online course on that um, shortly. So do go onto the website and keep up to date and subscribe to the podcasts so that you can get the new release date of the one with Dr Carl um, in two weeks time.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For more information and support on this topic, go to the resources section on the website. That's www.halcyon.education forward slash podcasts.